Hello, and welcome to the Rooted in Reliability podcast, your plant performance podcast, where we dive deeper into asset management techniques and know-how. I'm your host, James Kovacic, and I will be your guide to achieving industry best practice. The Rooted in Reliability podcast is here to provide you with the insights to improve plant performance and deliver bottom line results to your organization. In case you missed the last episode, you can find the Rooted in Reliability podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and on the reliability.fm network. Don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. Now let's dive into today's topic. It's my pleasure to welcome back Sean Eisenhower to the podcast. Welcome back, Sean. Hey, James. Good to be here. Good morning. Morning. I'm glad you uh, were able to join us today because we're here to talk about some very important topics. All right? And it's one that you hear often. It's one that I hear often. And it's one I'm kind of working through right now. And the challenge is, is bringing about change. All right. Now we've talked about change many, many times, but it's about how do we actually make this change sustainable within the organization and how do we kind of balance the reactivity, the need to make small improvements to longer term things? And how do we make really all of that work? You seen a lot of that? I definitely have, James. And, you know, I'm, I'm really pretty excited to talk about this because as much as you and I even have talked about change, I'm not sure we've talked about this on the podcast before. So uh, this should be uh, a pretty interesting, uh, pretty interesting thing to think through and look at because I think it's different for every organization. And I think it really it's driven by the vision of what the organization is trying to do. But it's also dr- driven by the current state, you know, where they are and what the support levels in the organization look like. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Sean, before we jump into that, can you give us a brief introduction about yourself, where you are, what you do, all those wonderful things? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm Sean Eisenhower. I am the owner of Iridicio, and uh, I get to spend a lot of time working with my clients on a regular basis doing exactly what James is talking about. In fact, this podcast today was really born out of a discussion that James and I were having uh, since he's battling a similar thing uh, at, at this point as well. And, and it, you know, it's, it should be fun, but a little bit about my background for those of you that don't know me, uh, I am, um, a, uh, I just enjoy education. I enjoy learning and teaching. And so I spend a lot of time in that side of the house, but I also spend a lot of time helping people implement reliability and asset management. So I've been at it for roughly 20 years at this point, and uh, I've seen a lot of things go really well, but I've also seen and even been a part of some things that didn't. So uh, it gives me the perspective of both the positive and the negative sides of this discussion. All right. Excellent. Thank you, Sean, for that. All right. Now let's get into it. So walk into a client site or a customer site. They want to move from reactive to proactive. How do they get the time to move to and start doing some of those proactive things? Because there's a challenge there. We got to make that switch, but we're too busy fighting the fires. That's a challenge. That's exactly right. It, it really, it really is a challenge, and you know, it, it varies from site to site. And I think back over, you know, facilities that I've worked with in the past. There were a few of them. Uh, I think of a paper mill in Canada. I think of a, a rolling mill in Indiana. You know, they were eager. They were eager to make change and they were going to do it one way or another. If that meant they had to do it at home at night, uh, you know, that was their level of um, enthusiasm toward what they were trying to do. And so that changes that level of enthusiasm or excitement or, you know, in some cases, just they have a reason for change. 
Um, you know, that reason for change can make it easier to do one method over another. And, and we'll kind of talk about that. And I shouldn't even really call them one method over another because I think it's a sliding scale that goes back and forth. All right. Excellent. Yeah, because one of the ways I've approached this type of problem in the past is, you know, what are some short-term things we can do to create a little bit of breathing room? And I'm not talking about we're going completely proactive in a matter of weeks. I'm talking about we're saving people half an hour a day or an hour a day to start doing some things that will generate long-term benefits, long-term results. You know, I've always been a big proponent of using RCA to drive some of those changes. Yeah, I, I hear people are already losing their minds. RCAs take time to do. They're not quick, especially if you're doing them properly. But if we can eliminate some nagging issues with RCAs, that's going to give us a little bit of breathing room for longer term activities. But that's only one approach. And I don't even know if that's the right approach. Thoughts? Yeah. So I think triage is what you're describing. And that's the, for me, that's almost the other extreme. So the, the facilities that I talked about that were excited about the change and really eager to make it happen, they were able to start into some of the more long-term pieces of the implementation, right? But if you're that facility that just got a letter from the FDA or just got a uh, a, a, um, a large order that you can't deliver on unless you can get the reliability to a level that it's not been before. Um, that's a different world. Uh, you're not just going to go immediately dive into the long-term thinking. Uh, you're going to have to triage a little bit. And that triage is both, you know, to help you for whatever your goal is, whether it's higher quality or more throughput uh, or lower cost. Uh, but that, that goal is also, as you said, and I think it's really important, to free up time to be able to do the other things that we need to do that may be more long term. And I think RCA is a great way to do that. Um, <clears throat> you know, a lot of people in this industry, James, kind of think of RCA as something you do later on in the implementation after you start getting a lot of data and, you know, you have a better understanding of your criticality and where you're having your failures. I just don't see it that way. Not for these folks that need triage. Um, I think of them, you know, kind of as rapid action attacks that you're going to run on certain things that are just distracting the organization from being able to do the longer term things. And, and you don't do this forever. I mean, one of the ways I describe it is, you know, it's like nitrous, you know, nitrous will give you 700 horsepower, but only for 15, no, not even that, only for, you know, eight, 10 seconds, right? If you really want to change the organization or if you really want to have 700 horsepower all the time, you got to change the engine and changing the engine. I equate to kind of changing the processes and the business, the way we do business and that sort of thing. So we have a nitrous button here. We can hit it. It'll make a big splash. We'll go really fast, but we can't hold the button down forever or the whole thing will self-destruct. And I think that's where some of the challenges are with the implementations. People use that nitrous button. They do these heavy targeted focused events on this line or this asset or this system. They, then they step back and they see performance degrade right away or almost right away after they step back. Yeah, absolutely. The Kaizen events, while I love them, if they don't have the support structure behind them, they're just that. They're events. They are something that happens, like you said, and then immediately starts to spiral back or slide back over time, uh, back to potentially worse than it was before. Uh, so, 
you know, you and I both have seen that in the real world uh, where, you know, it, it, a lot of good work was done during the Kaizen, but then they put in the, the work orders and there's no work order system. There's no way to get that work done in a timely manner. There's no way to sustain it long term. Absolutely. And I think that's the challenge is how do we use those rapid action teams to attack some problems, free up some room so that we can focus on those longer term things. Now, I think one of the other challenges there is what's really that short-term focus versus what's that long-term focus? I think part of that's maturity. I, I agree, and I think it's pretty dynamic from one site to another. You know, um, <clears throat> I don't know. Like I said, I don't know where the, the facility is on that spectrum from the super excited, dedicated facility that absolutely wants it to happen over to the other side where they're running and gunning, as I like to say, you know, they're just surviving. They're trying to get the right amount of production out every day at the right amount of cost. Um, those are two completely different ends of the spectrum, but you know, now we can slide along that spectrum and maybe, you know, part of your team's excited about this, but maybe some of the folks you need are just tied up. Um, and so, you know, it, I, I think it becomes, it becomes a longer discussion about specifically what your goals are, what things we need to put in place to make that happen and how quickly to transition many of these activities from short term to long term. Um, I have had some facilities over the years who really focused very heavily on long term. They did a lot of things like FMEAs. Um, they spent a lot of time mapping their process, their business processes, and those are absolutely critical. They're really important, as you well know. But if you're only doing the long-term things, it, you, you have a danger. And that danger is that the organization just doesn't have the, the patience, the persistence to wait on the results. Uh, you know, if you think about it, by the time you, you create an FME, FMEA and you turn that into an equipment maintenance plan and then you get that written into the job plans for the PMs and then by the time you wait six months to execute that PM uh, and then you're not going to get results necessarily on the first PM, uh, although you could, you, you probably won't. So now you're talking about a solution that's two to three years out and um, so if I'm not thinking about what I'm going to do to create the little wins along the way while we wait on the results of those long-term things, um, you, you may lose the support of the organization before you gain the performance that you need. Yeah, and that's an absolute challenge. I know I've worked with organizations where they know they need to fix their bill of materials from a planning standpoint, from a storeroom standpoint. So they start focusing on that. But the problem is is that is not an immediate return. That is something that's going to impact planning a little bit over the first year, more over the second year. It's going to help the storeroom long-term, but it's not going to deliver immediate results this week. And then they get pulled from that because they're not getting that short-term improvement. They're not seeing the performance gains. And then, like you said, they lose support from the organization. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's, um, you know, it, it feels weird a little bit, James, to be sitting here talking about the things that we've preached for years that are important. You know, we're talking about bill of materials. We're talking about FMEAs. We're talking about PM optimization. We're talking about mapping your processes. And I don't want anybody to get the impression that we think you shouldn't be doing those. You absolutely do. Those are the backbone of the initiative, right? Those things have to happen. But if you haven't taken the time to build in those little wins, um, that are going to keep people interested. And I'll, I'll go a step further. 
if you're not willing to sell those little wins, and I'll maybe even go so far as to say market and sell those little wins, right? Because I sat in a group of engineers this week and, and I looked out at them. There were about 20 of them in the audience. And I asked them how many of them were, were comfortable with you know selling and marketing what they do. And the answer was none of them. So, you know, if we can't create the little wins, market the little wins, sell the little wins to the organization, then we will lose the ability to make the big changes that we know will sustain this thing long term. Yeah. And those little wins, you know, don't have to be huge. I know it sounds funny with the little wins, but being large or huge wins, but like they can be simple things that we do. We executed an RCA and we identified these three root causes. We're addressing these two because this one is so improbable, it's not worth addressing. That's a win. That is a win. People know you're being proactive. Absolutely. They can see the changes in the organization. That's exactly right. Well, while we're on that RCA topic, that's another one. You know, here's RCA, which we opened up the podcast today talking about. Uh, the RCA and how it can be a short-term solution, but it can also be pulled long-term. If all the only RCAs you're doing are on those big events that occur once every 27 years, right? Um, but they're so big that ops is screaming about them and maintenance is screaming about them and engineering is screaming about them. But, but the chances that they'll ever happen again during your career are almost in, improbable, right? That's long-term. And so a lot of organizations want to focus on that instead of focusing on the short term. Go ahead, James, and then I'll, I'll add on. Yeah. No, I agree 100%. That is a long-term play because it's this one in every 27-year event. However, however, this is where that sales and marketing piece comes in. If we don't react to the needs of our customers, because let's face it, operations is the customer of maintenance. And they don't see us reacting to their needs. Now, I'm not saying every time they throw a work order and we got to scramble for it. But if we have these bigger events and there's a lot of focus on it, it might be worthwhile doing that, even though we know we're not going to see long-term benefits in terms of equipment performance. But we're going to see a huge increase in engagement, interest, and support for what we're doing. So we'll see other short-term benefits as a result of that. Well, and I would go so I'm going to talk out of both sides of my mouth a little bit, James. I, I would go so far as to even say that you could see a lot of short term benefits out of those long, big RCAs if you're willing to actually leverage the solutions across the organization. So if I find out this large gearbox failed because we had the wrong lubricant in it. Right. And and that, you know, it had still been running for quite some time with the wrong long rubric, the wrong lubricant that would fall into that long term kind of process. But if I took what I learned from that and said, OK, from now on, we're going to put oil handling and lubrication handling processes in place for the rest of the organization, then that actually could have a huge impact. But it's it's having the thought and what I'm seeing from a lot of our clients right now is this mentality that they're just fighting these big fires and they're just fighting, quote unquote, one root cause. Uh, and so it never gets leveraged out across the organization and it truly becomes a long term solution. It'll matter again in 27 years. 
if, to your point, you're taking the time to say, okay, what are the systemic and latent roots here? And where else do I have those same kind of issues occurring in the organization? Then I have taken a big, long-term RCA and turned it into a very short-term solution that can fix a lot of other issues in the organization. So I 100% agree with you from that standpoint. Um, and if I can, you know, if I can have my uh, my my latent and systemic roots being addressed from those bigger ones that are also, as you said, buying me some goodwill in the organization, right? Then I can also go over to the little nagging problems. I like to think of them as gnats, right? They're 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 not uh, the great flying dragon that's coming to eat you whole. It's the gnats that are killing you one bite at a time. And uh, so I, you know, I'll go and and attack some of those because. Those will make the organization feel better. The big ones make the organization um, a little more comfortable, but those little ones that are happening over and over and over, if I can make some of those go away, that's really going to make the organization be able to breathe. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, when we talk about some of these other short-term wins, right? For example, we got a big backlog of repair on this machine or this system or this asset. Well, production's not giving us the time to do those repairs because we're running so poorly they need every available minute, right? Common thing you hear all over the place. What are options? Well, do I want to bring my guys in on Sunday after they already worked six hours or six days this week and pay them double time to do these repairs? Sometimes you have to do those things to show and demonstrate the value that will happen when you get time on the line to perform the repairs, right? Now, it's not cost-effective, it's not the right approach, but what it does is it shows that we're willing to work and the benefits that can come as a result of some of this stuff. And then you use that goodwill to f- slowly migrate actual downtime into the production schedule. And maybe at the end of the day, James, this whole podcast really is about goodwill, right? You're, you're trying to figure out how to balance short-term and long-term thinking such that you can keep the goodwill of the organization to do the things you need to do. Uh, you know, I mean, that really is what it comes down to. So sometimes you're going to have to do something that maybe goes against what you want to have happen long term in order to get that goodwill to sustain and live to fight another day. Yep. There's another podcast I listen to. He talks about leadership capital. It's a bank account. You can only ask for so much if you're not putting anything back into it. Right. And unfortunately, with some of the initiatives I've seen is maintenance wants line downtime. They want operators and quality people and all these people for these FMEAs. They do all these things, but there's nothing going back to operations to see the benefit in the short term. So then they give up. Why am I giving you all these resources when I'm not getting anything for it? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, it's it, it it's it, there's another problem that's kind of wrapped in this too, and and I, I know you may be able to relate to this, but I saw it just recently uh, with a client that I'm working with, and it's it's where they've done a lot of the good long term things, but they've left out a couple pieces, right? And because they've left out a couple pieces, they're not getting the the results of all that long term work. So we talked a little bit about short term and how that engages the organization. But I think another piece of this that we could kind of touch on is the long-term side. You know, long-term things typically are processes. They are things that have to happen in a certain order. And if you leave any of the steps out of that, that process very well may break. Um, And a good example of that is we could spend a ton of time writing new FMEAs and, and developing and understanding all the failure modes and those failure modes effects analysis. But if our PM completion 
is 18%, all that work really is for nothing because we've done all the hard stuff. We got all the way to the two-yard line, and we can't seem to convert. We can't seem to get it across the, the, the line. This podcast is brought to you by Iridicio. Be sure to check out iridicio.com for a free copy of their ebook, A Smarter Way of Preventative Maintenance. This ebook will allow you to review your current maintenance program and eliminate the non-value-added work you're doing, which is most likely causing you more downtime than it is preventing. www.iridicio.com That's one of the things I noticed too in some organizations. Not all of them, not all the initiatives, but some some initiatives I've seen where there's almost like a, a line of demarcation where we're doing maintenance processes, we're doing reliability processes like FMEAs, like job plan development, uh, RCA, that sort of thing. So they're doing all that. But on this other side, they have the execution side of things where the rubber meets the road. How do we manage our skill traits? How do we schedule them appropriately? How do we manage their work? That part kind of gets left off sometimes I've seen. And as a result, you're 100% right. We did all the super hard stuff, but we can't execute a basic schedule. We can't escalate issues from a skilled trades to a maintenance engineer to so on and so forth when they when they get harder. We don't have that, that piece set up. Well, and to be honest, some of that stuff is really short term, tying back into kind of the topic of the podcast, right? It's it's now it's change, it's people change, and we know that takes time. But the activity of starting it, you don't need to know a lot to know that we're going to set the expectation that from now on you use the PM steps and the job plan. Uh, we're going to, uh, from now on, we're going to put failure codes in. And we realize we've still got work to do in cleaning those up and, and maybe changing them or divvying them out across asset types or something like that. But you can start a lot of those things very early on to get that behavior to be part of what the organization is going to do uh, in the new way of doing business. But it doesn't happen, to your point. And so now we spend all the time writing job plans and building a job plan library and building a great bill of materials and taking the time to do these FMEAs and PMOs. And now we've got really pretty PMs and really pretty job plans and the bill of materials just make you want to giggle when you look at them. And then we don't use them. You know, no one, no one goes into the CMMS because it hasn't become part of the culture yet. Right. Not only that, I'll be honest, as most maintenance engineers and reliability engineers and technical people, it's technical when we do those things, but it's also easy. Because we're doing analysis, we're dealing with machines, we're dealing with failure modes, we're putting it into templates and following some logic, right? The hard part is driving change within the people. The reason I say that is if we're dealing with an organization who is used to grabbing, picking what work orders they want out of the work order pile and just doing those, now we're giving them a schedule. That's a big change. That's a lot of work to manage that. If we're same or take same situation where we have lines that get changed over or lines that are down for two or three hours for sanitation or various other things. In the past, if we weren't taking advantage of those two or three hour outages to do some PM, some maintenance repairs, that type of thing, all of a sudden now we expect the guys to come out of the shop and go do work during those two or three hours. That's a huge change, but a necessary change to make all this long-term stuff actually work. Absolutely. Absolutely. I kind of think back to, you know, one of the things we do with a, a lot of our clients is we, of course, come up with a vision for what the organization wants to, to look like in the future. 
But but then after that, there's a, a discussion of the guiding principles. And those guiding principles list many of the things you just said. You know, we're going to follow the work order and we're going to give feedback if it can't be executed. Or it may say that you're going to go and get a kit. You're, you know, we're going to kit work where we can. You know, there, there are these kind of motherhood and apple pie basic fundamentals. They're not, quote unquote, hard necessarily, as you said, to do technically, but we we know they're the behaviors that have to start changing from the very beginning. And then to your point, that does take time. So having those guiding principles could be a good way to help the organization start understand where we're go- understanding where we're going. And then there's nothing to stop you from starting to implement some of those even very early on, knowing that the people change is going to take time. Yep. And that's where it starts, right? All this stuff we're talking about is about people and we got to manage that change with people. Now we talked a lot about short and long-term things. How does an organization that's going about this journey determine what the right balance is between that? Is that a product of their maturity, their resource levels, and it's pretty much determined by site, by implementation, or is there some general rules of thumb we have? As I think about it, I, I, I've, I've come to the conclusion that it is a very dynamic thing. It's not something where everyone can do it the same way, and it's not something where everyone will do it the same way for the whole entire implementation. I think if you've got a good risk management plan and you've thought about a lot of the things that could go wrong, this may actually play into that risk management plan. So if, you know, if you're looking through the ways that you think this thing could fail to be implemented, and one of them is you could lose the leadership support or the leadership could change over, then I think you're going to have to throw in more short-term wins to be able to show those leaders that are coming in to replace the ones that left or the ones that are losing interest that this is the right thing to be doing right now. Whereas if you feel like you've got an organization that has leaders that are going to be around for four or five or six years and and the leaders understand the value of, of increasing reliability in the organization, then you may be able to dive into the longer term pieces a little heavier. Now, that could change, right? You could believe that you've got the best leadership team and they're just awesome and they're really going the right direction. And then all of a sudden, a couple of them take jobs in another organization and now you've got to make a change. You may actually have to flip the switch back to short-term thinking. Uh, And I don't mean fully, we're still doing the long-term stuff. And I think that's the big thing I was trying to make a point this week with a client. We're not saying no, we're not turning off FMEAs, we're not turning off PM optimization. We're just simply dialing that dial back a little bit so that we can turn up some of the short-term gains that we can get with RCA focused in specific reoccurring failures. And I think that's key is we're not turning off long-term. We're just dialing a little bit based on the dynamics of the organization. Because one of the challenges I can hear people screaming at the, at their uh, phone or computer that they're listening on right now is, well, now it's a flavor of the month. We're doing FMEAs, we're doing EMPs, we're doing all these things. Now we're stopping. Yep, just another flavor of the month that this organization is known for, right? So, and I think that's key. It's dialing things back, but not only that, having the communication with the people that see these things. Hey, we're working. We know we have a lot of reoccurring issues. We're going to focus a little bit more on RCA, but we're still going to keep doing the FMEA stuff. We're just going to dial it back this way a little bit and do that. And having that open and honest communication, I think, will go farther as opposed to just making switches without telling people or 
you know, communicating why behind it. I think when there's not a clear plan in the organization, people think of things as off and on. They, they tend to try to squish things down into a sequence, if you will. So they think, okay, if I'm doing FMEAs, I'm not doing RCA. And if I'm not doing RCA, then I, then I can do something else, right? Um, and what we really know, James, as you well know, is these things run in parallel, right? So we're slowing, as you said, slowing down the FMEA process, but speeding up the RCA side. Now, the problem is it's hard for people to wrap their head around that. It becomes a people issue again, just like you said earlier, right? Um, because now they're like, I'm so overwhelmed. I've got to do all this stuff. It's typical of folks that are going through what we call the valley of despair, the part of the change where you're living in the old world and the new world at the same time. So yep. my big point, and, and I, I firmly believe this, I've seen it too many times over the years. My big point is organizations that have good master plans or project plans where they can show these parallel paths, but break them down into bite-sized pieces are able to do what we're talking about here today. The others are going to feel more like that off and on syndrome flavor of the month as you described it. Yep. And I think that's key is having that plan, helping people through that valley of despair and making sure they understand that a lot of this stuff goes in parallel because it is, it is 100% parallel. We may put a little more emphasis on this one, but this one's still going in this direction, right? We're not stopping. And I think that's key is when we talk about these short and long-term things, it is just that it's finding the balance on how much is going, how much emphasis is on this short-term stuff versus how much emphasis is on the long-term stuff. And that may vary based on things that happen within the organization and that's normal and that's okay. Well, and I, you know, I'll give you another <clears throat> an example because I think it's good to drive these home um, with examples. If you're an organization that's privately held, you potentially have a longer term vision in the organization. So you may be able to really go after some of the longer term solutions without having to show short term benefits immediately. Now, temper that because the organization still needs the energy. They need to see that something's happening, right? But I feel like they have a better chance of being able to lean toward the long term. <clears throat> if you're in a, a publicly held organization that's managed and measured quarter to quarter or maybe month to month, uh, you can't wait. You've got to be showing results every single month. And I like to talk in extremes. And I feel like if you think about those, although we know they're on a spectrum, if you think about those, they, they are kind of uh, different. They are two ends of that spectrum. Yep, absolutely. And knowing your organization, documenting your savings, marketing and selling what you're doing is key to making all of this work. Absolutely. Absolutely. I've been toying around with um, putting a presentation together, maybe for one of the conferences or something coming up, just talking about sales and marketing for engineers, uh, because we don't get it. You don't see it in college, you know, you don't see it uh, in your day-to-day -day life, but you know, at the end of the day, what we're talking about here, as we said, was was getting people in the organization on board and keeping their energy up and, and the goodwill that goes with it. Right. And you can't do that without being able to market and sell what you do. And if you think going in and telling someone their beta is going up or that the Weibel plot says this is going to get you there, it's just not the case. We've got to be able to speak their language. We've got to talk in their words and we've got to be able to show them the benefits that they're experiencing. Yep, absolutely. So, Sean, before we wrap up, any parting words of wisdom on how they go about this delicate balance? 
I think you really need to look at your vision. I think you need to look at your goals. Uh, and if you're going after, um, you know, for instance, reducing your cost of manufacture, or if you're going after um, potentially just increasing throughput because you just need more volume right now, that's going to make a big change to what you do and when you do it. But by the same token, it is a nitrous button. So you can't hold down that button forever. You're going to have to build the structure and the horsepower behind it to make it a long-term solution. And I think the big point that you and I made there is, hey, it's a people thing. And if you don't have a good plan, the people are going to have a hard time wrapping their head around it. All right. So have a plan. Make sure it's fit for your organization and needs and make sure it balances those short and long-term activities. Absolutely. Well, Sean, I want to thank you for taking the time to chat with us today about, about this topic. I think it's important. It's overlooked, but it is a delicate balance that people have to be aware of. Now, before we go, where can people connect with you, find out more about you, get in touch with you, all those great things? Well, I love to connect with people on LinkedIn. That has become a really good resource, you know, for kind of being able to chat with folks. In fact, while you and I were preparing for this podcast, I got a message on LinkedIn uh, from a gentleman. So that LinkedIn is always a good one. And you can find me on there at S-H-O-N-I-S-E-N-H-O-U-R. Um, so that's the quick way to find me there. And then of course you can always reach out if you want to talk about your plan or what you're trying to execute in the organization. Uh, I'll give you my cell phone. It'll be direct to me, uh, 843-810-4446. And then of course I have Iridisio email, but quite frankly, I would rather you text me or call me, uh, because right now that inbox is uh, a little, uh, a little more reactive than proactive, if you will. <laughs> All right. Excellent. I'll make sure to put all that information in the show notes so people can easily get in touch with you if they didn't catch it when you're saying it. So definitely appreciate you coming on, Sean. Thank you so much. Thank you, James. Always good to be here. I hope you have a great week. I would like to thank you for listening and remind you that you can always find out more on maintenance, reliability, and asset management at www.iridicio.com and by following our blog. The Rooted in Reliability podcast is a proud member of the Reliability.fm network. I'd like to ask you to please rate and review this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher. It ensures the podcast stays relevant and is easy to find by like-minded professionals. It is only with your ratings and reviews that the Rooted in Reliability podcast can continue to grow. I thank you for providing this small but critical support. We'll see you next week when we dive into another burning topic with Rooted in Reliability, your plant performance podcast.